Star Splitter. Hey guys, Danny Keen here. Thank you for checking out my Star Splitter podcast, a collection of science fiction short stories. Please check out our Patreon page to support us on our journey. The season finale involves terrifying monsters and the darkness we all face. Strap in. This one's a ride. Hush World, Part 3 One step, two steps, three steps. My head begins to swim again, but I march on. Lightning cracks across the sky, illuminating black manticore-like shapes running toward me from across the platform. I stumble into the scout, and the door shuts behind me. The creatures slam the other side of the door, but the reinforced metal holds. Warm air rushes in, and I gasp, thankful for the oxygen-rich atmosphere. We'd made it. We'd actually made it. But it's not over yet. I put Sparks down and pull myself to the controls. I tap the touchscreen and initiate the emergency protocol. The scout's AI ignites the burners, and the engines roar to life. With a rush, the scout takes off and roars toward Reacher. Wind and rain pelt the hull of the vessel. But soon, it leaves the storm behind and escapes the atmosphere altogether. The elegant white shape of Reacher comes into view among the stars. In minutes, the scout docks with Reacher, and the airlock hisses open. I lift the moaning sparks and hurry out into the airlock hall. The lights in the ceiling are flickering, and I squint, trying to see. Why are the lights acting so weird? They were working fine when we left. I hurry toward the med bay. Can we take a rest? Sparks says. Almost there, Sparks, I say. Almost there. I step into the med bay. More lights flicker, and I notice one of the lights is completely smashed while others are just damaged. We're almost... What the... Sparks begins to squirm and struggle. Let me go! Leave me alone! She begins to punch my chest and swing for my head. The babies were coming. With a growl, I put her into one of the three med pods. I strap one arm, and then the other. Soon I have all her limbs immobilized. Gasping, I type the commands into the AI touchscreen on the side. Removal of foreign body and destroy. I select the back area and let the pod do the rest. It begins to scan sparks with a green light. Deadeners are administered, and the procedure starts. I lower the lid into place. A hand shoots out and grips my forearm. I almost scream. From the floor, Abara puts her finger to her lips, her face haggard. Sweat streams down her face and a long, bloody cut lines her jaw. What are you doing? Shh! She hisses and pulls me down to the ground. She points around the med pod toward the door. A silent, dark red specter stands in the doorway. The creature stands on all fours, but with the flickering lights, I struggle to make out details. It looks almost like a manticore from ancient human myth, with the poise of a puma, the ferociousness of a wolf, and the grace of a snake. 
A serpentine tail with a sharp tip swings back and forth. It slowly, silently stands upright on two feet, and it leans forward and bares its teeth. They are great black things that drip with saliva, gleaming in the strobing light. It almost looks like it's hissing, but still, it does not make a sound. It's so silent that if I were to be blindfolded, I would not guess it was here. How did it get on board? I mouth to Abara. Her eyes brim with tears. Yin, she mouths back. I struggled not to throw up. Tears sting my own eyes and I struggle to breathe. When Yen had fallen in the mines, she must have been out of sight long enough for one of these things to impregnate her. And with all her wounds, no one would have noticed one particular puncture wound at the base of the neck until it was too late. I reach for my gun at my hip. Nothing. I must have left it in the scout. I glance around the corner of the pot again and freeze. The doorway is empty. Oh, no. Suddenly, with a loud crash, the lights go out, plunging me and Ibarra in darkness. I'm blind, except for the faint flickering light coming through the doorway from the hall beyond. Abara fumbles with something, and then her arm device light winks on. The creature snarls inches from Abara's face. Dark saliva dribbles on her lap. Abara's scream is cut short by the monster's spear-like tail skewering her throat. With another crack, her light winks out. Panic explodes in my chest, and I scramble across the room in seconds. A breath of wind whooshes past my ear as something brushes by. My foot catches on the doorframe and I stumble into the flickering hall. I stand and sprint back toward the airlock again. The only sound I hear is my panting and pounding feet. I glance over my shoulder and nearly throw up in terror. The creature runs silently toward me without its feet making a sound. I reach the first airlock and punch the release. The door hisses open and I step inside. I raise my hand to close the door. The manticore leaps toward me. Stinger raised. I scream and fall on my back as the creature sails over me and slams into the far airlock door. Frantic, I crawl out of the airlock and reach for the close button. The door slams shut as the manticore lunges at me again, only to get a face full of metal. Through the tiny window, its black eyes glare at me. Hunger and anger shoot into my being. I can't get my gun now. But I wince at the creature's strong emotions and force myself to look at the touchpad by the door. But I can get rid of it. I begin to punch the command to eject the scout and purge the airlock. The manticore's head butts the steel. The entire airlock trembles under my hands. I have to do this fast. My fingers fly across the touchscreen and pound the enter button. The scout disengages, and the far airlock door opens to space. The air rushes out, dragging the creature with it. I collapse against the door, panting, hot tears burning my cheeks, and I sit for a long time, 
trying to wrap my head around what happened. Abara, Yin, and Levi are dead. They're gone. I tried to warn them something was off, but not even I could have known this would happen. How can I go home? I sit up and glance quickly from one end of the hall to the other. Something else is on the ship. Another hungry presence clouds my thoughts. Could it be the babies the med pod was extracting from Sparks? I stand, knowing I need to check on her anyway. Carefully, I walk back along the hall. After a few moments, I reach the med bay again and peer around the doorframe. The med pod's emergency lights have turned on, illuminating the inside of the pod. In the faint glow, I only see medical supplies scattered on the floor and Abara's blood seeping from under the pod. But then I see the shadow on top of the dome-like pod. Another manticore hulks on top of the med pod and drools over sparks through the glass. Tears stream down Sparks' nose, and her eyes flash toward me. The pod had rotated her. She lies on her stomach, and two incisions bleed along her back. One of the snake larvae hangs, biting at the robotic arm. The arm pulls the baby into an airtight box. The box hisses shut. A shudder rolls along the adult creature's body as it watches its young be put away. The robotic arm reaches into the second incision and pulls out the second larvae. It jerks and whips around, it bites at the metal, it struggles, and then it lets out a high-pitched scream. The shriek is so piercing, I stagger back. The adult creature shakes its head as if in rage and slams its head against the glass dome. The dome shatters, and Sparks yells. With a lunge, the monster bites the robotic arm off, and the larvae lands on the glass-riddled floor. It flops for a bit, and then coils. Like a spring, it rockets toward me. But another robotic arm catches it midair. With precise movements, it puts the flailing creature into another biohazard box and closes the lid. The adult manticore snaps the arm in two and reaches for the boxes. Sparks keeps screaming uncontrollably, struggling against the straps holding her down. I have to get it away from Sparks. And if those babies get out, I'm definitely dead. Thinking quickly, I wave my arms. Hey, you! I look around for anything I could throw at the creature. If I could lead the monster to the airlock, I could kill it like I killed its sibling. My eyes land on the fire extinguisher strapped to the wall. I yank it free and throw it. The metal container bangs against the manticore's side, and it whips around, teeth bare. It leaps off the destroyed pod and lands silently. It glares at the extinguisher lying by its foot and stomps on the container. Liquid carbon dioxide spews free. Freezing the creature's foot, it leaps away, obviously in pain. I blink. From what I've seen, even the young have incredible regenerative capabilities. But cold can hurt them. The manticore looks at the carbon dioxide and snarls. Then its angry eyes turn to me. Oh, crap. 
It leaps with a crash. My feet lose traction and I fall back just as its claws reach for me. It whooshes over my head, sails through the doorway, and crashes into the wall beyond. My feet find purchase under me, and I leap by it, running down the hall. Follow me, please, follow me. My only hope is to lead it to the airlock, like last time. My feet pound the floor, and I careen around the corner but slide to a stop. A manticore is charging me. Is there a third monster? A quick glance over my shoulder confirms that this is the same creature as before. It had just come around the opposite side, cutting me off from my goal. Should I try to get a gun from the armory? But bullets had not done much damage to the young, so why would it hurt an adult? The manticore's tail whips toward me and jabs at my face. I duck, roll, and find myself running back from where I came. But the creature is too fast and its claws rake my back. Pain, unimaginable, burns through me. But I force myself forward. I duck under the swinging tail and stumble into the nearest doorway. But before I'm clear, the beast's tail slams into me, throwing me into the room. I slam against the far wall, and all the air in my lungs rushes out in a whoosh. My blood spatters on the floor and smears on the wall. Consciousness flickers away. Images. Memories. Scenes of my eighth birthday flit through my mind like birds. The flying car careening toward the dark water. Rain pelting glass. My mother's screams. My grandparents holding hands. Then unimaginable cold. Water everywhere. Water in my lungs. Breathe, Brian! Breathe! Dad's voice echoes. I had awoken on the shore of the river in my father's arms. He had been flying behind us in his own vehicle. No one else survived the crash. When I realized that everyone was gone, I struggled to gulp air. Tears tore free and I sobbed. Dad held me, kissing the top of my head. Just breathe, little buddy. Just breathe. And he sobbed, too. My consciousness flickers back into focus on the present. Stunned, breathless, and weak, I stare into the monster's eyes. Hot tears cut down my cheeks, and cold sweat streams into my eyes. I'm shaking. Brian, could you do me a favor? Dad had said the day I was leaving for Monarch. What? When things go sideways out there, when you're staring into the dark, the creature's snout pulls back, revealing dripping fangs. No sound except for my own gasps, and my pounding heart fills my ears. It came through the doorway, slowly, inevitably. When the dark chokes you, call out to God. And if you can't call out to him, breathe to him. Pray through the air you breathe. Pray. I find myself following his advice. One shuddering breath in, one out, and suddenly, I'm that little eight-year-old boy again, just listening to my father's voice on the edge of a river, in, out. Oxygen reaches my lungs, my soul reaches beyond me. I wish so deeply 
There are no words to describe what I feel. I want to live, sure, but I need my dad to live. Please let him live. The monster's legs bunch, ready to spring. I close my eyes and let my last tears fall. A presence stands in the room. My empathic abilities fire all at once and I gasp. My eyes fly open. The beast is still crouched, ready to end me. But its head is cocked. It swivels, looking around. My eyes do the same. A warmth so palpable fills the room. My eyes widen and I begin to shake again. But not from terror this time, but something purer, warmer and more real than fear. And suddenly I know who's in the room with us. The presence guides my eyes to the fire extinguisher on the wall by the door. And thoughts not entirely my own flood me. Cold. Images of the manticore wincing from the carbon dioxide play in my brain, and I gasp. I need cold. Finally able to breathe, I struggle to my feet. The manticore jerks toward me but slips on my blood. I stumble to the fire extinguisher and yank it free. I sprint past the med bay and into the storage room. I can't hear the creature following, but I know it's there, and I'm not stopping to check either. I sense its frustration growing stronger and stronger. I reach the storage room and leap through. Most of the space is filled with food, supplies, and even a row of secured armored rovers for exploration. But on the far side sat three large pods that served as either glorified freezers or cryopods for animal transportation. Occasionally, once a new species was cleared as harmless, they would be taken for further study. Wind whooshes across my back. I glance back only to see the monster only feet away. I yell and jam the control panel by the door. The rovers begin to lower from their secured position on the ceiling. I sprint under them. The manticore slams into the nearest rover. It climbs over it and lunges toward me, but another vehicle slams on top of the creature, crushing it. The manticore's body snaps and pops. Clear blood spews and spatters on the floor out from under the rover. I reach the nearest giant cryochamber and stop, staring at the mess on the floor. Had I just killed it without even freezing it? The rover groans and tips over. Dripping with its own blood, the creature crawls out from under it, bones snapping back into place, and cuts sealing almost instantly. Horror boils my stomach, and I leap inside the huge cryopod and hurry toward the back. The manticore stalks toward me. Satisfaction and anger ricochet off the creature, and I wince. I am right where it wants me. The creature steps over the chamber's threshold and snarls again and again with no sound to be heard. I shiver and grip my fire extinguisher tighter. My heart pounds as the manticore fully enters the pod and stares at me. I see its muscles bunch, readying to spring. I spray its face, the cold liquid freezing on contact, and for the first time the manticore makes a sound. It screams like the juvenile had done, but much louder, and charges me. 
I duck around, still spraying, and leap out of the pod. I punch the command to initiate cryo, and the door slams shut. In seconds, the manticore freezes, reaching for me through the glass. Its glazed black eyes bore into my soul. My legs give out from under me and I fall to the floor, sobbing. I sob for my lost friends, the pain in my back, and the relief that I'm still alive. After a couple of minutes, I stumble back toward the med bay and sparks. I'll have to jettison the boxes containing the young manticores, but first I'll need to free poor Sparks, finish fixing her up, and then decide how to get rid of the adult frozen alien. I deal with my wounds as best as I can, and then start work on Sparks. Stitching her up and setting her broken bones takes a while. Most of the time she seems unconscious. Once I stabilize her, I stand to start cleaning up the ship. Sparks' hand grips mine, stopping me. Wait, she croaks. I raise an eyebrow. Thank you. I nod. You're welcome. Feeling emotionally raw, I force a smile and pull away. I need to clean up the ship a little before we go back into cryo. I'll be back. What I really mean is that I need some time alone to cry and think. I, she says, Thea. I frown and turn. What? My name. It's Thea. Something in my chest releases, and I smile. Nice to finally meet you, Thea. After the ship is prepared for the trip back to Earth, I update the Union on the deaths of my crewmates. The Union spokesman seems saddened but not surprised. He reveals that a partially corrupt file from the ancient Earth records had finally been recovered conveniently a few hours earlier. The file says that the mine had been abandoned because a virulent creature in an unknown spacecraft crashed and landed on Monarch near the mine. It only took hours for the creature to infect the tower. Once my conversation with the Union spokesman ends, I help Sparks into her cryopod and then slide into my own. The Union will meet our ship midway from Earth and take the frozen manticore and its young to a research facility where they'd study the creatures and learn how to destroy them. I don't think it's a good idea, but the Union isn't interested in my opinion, even though I'm the only one of two people to barely survive the monsters. The lid of my cryopod hisses shut. The origins of the creature remain a mystery, though. And I can't help but fear that mankind will face this threat again, somewhere across the cosmos. And perhaps, it won't end so well. The countdown until cryo begins, and I listen to the automated voice drone, and my exhausted mind finally remembers the presence on the ship that saved my life. The emotion of love that felt so real the realest thing I have ever experienced. I closed my eyes as cold air rushes over me. God, I mentally say, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this season of Star Splitter. The Star Splitter team would like to thank everyone who is taking the time to donate to our Patreon page and listen and download this podcast. 
We cannot wait for you guys to hear the next season. Thank you so much.